What's like a it? dick. It's like a dick. Stop it. What's up, happy? It's like a dick. Stop. <laughs> time conscious here. What's up, happy people? Welcome back to Perception is a Bitch. Now, this has nothing to do with anything, but just thought you would like to know. In the words of the infamous Lord Ice Cube, I didn't even have to use my AK. I guess today was a good day. What the fuck is wrong with you, babe? <laughs> You'll never know. You're on one tonight. God damn it. What's up, happy people? Welcome back to the show. I so apologize for my wife. I regret nothing. <laughs> y'all, y'all, those who know Sarah know she has the humor of a 12-year-old boy. So I guess nothing's new. Nope. Okay. okay. Love me or leave me. I, I've, it's been 10 years. Yesterday was our 10-year wedding anniversary. The year of our Lord. Yeah, the year of our Lord, August 10th. I mean, August 12th, my 2010. bad. 2010. 2010. Yeah, we, we got married. I know. We get the 10 and the 12 mixed up. <laughs> but yeah, it's been 10 years. How you? How's it been like being married to me for 10 years? Eh, fair to Midland. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that. It's like that. I know some days are better than others. That's not what you were saying when you were sending me the link to that $20,000 <laughs> wedding ring you wanted. But you didn't get it, which is why it's... <laughs> so your love is conditional upon a 20 th- i thought you were not a gold digger i thought you were better for worse that's why i settled for the 400 dollars ring hey 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 look she's still wearing the 400 dollars ring from 10 years ago you know so it must be doing something right it is true what they say you manage expectations from the get-go <laughs> or i just really like that dick <laughs> you know so i stick around <laughs> Okay, edit that part out. <laughs> we are editing that fucking part out. Doing something right. I'm just saying. Okay, I'm stuck okay. Stuck around this long. Okay, we're we're to the show. On to the show. On to the show. Okay, so uh, today is a very heavy conversation. Which is I, why we gotta start off light. Otherwise, yes, there's no yes. Way to go there's no this. way to get through today's conversation we without got the whiskey out. So we are halfway through. Kind of yes, we are halfway through the bottle of whiskey. Actually, Here. pass me a mm-hmm. shot because we're drinking straight <laughs> out the bottle tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we're drinking the old-fashioned. Hold on, let me, let me mm-hmm. hug you. Mm-hmm. We're drinking the old-fashioned Knob Creep Kentucky straight straight bourbon whiskey. Bitters and natural flavors. I don't know why I said that because part. It's on it's a it's a pre-made cocktail, the old fashioned. Okay, that's anyway. Anyway, it's good. Okay, so today I feel. Let me set the mood for y'all listening right now. So dun 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 dun. dun. Do we need to put the spooky music back? No on? no no. The spooky music was the intro. <laughs> so right now I feel like we are both sitting in a therapist office about to talk through some of our issues mm-hmm. right to get down and dirty it's, it's, it's got to yes and we already took a long two-hour walk today and i was like this needs to go on air i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i said that but we're talking so he, here's what kind of sparked this conversation so um 
You know, we it, it all started with the cat. Like all great <laughs> like all great philosophies. Always blaming shit on the cat. Like all great philosophies, they start with the cat. So <laughs> we, we bought the cat the same day. The cat we, we bought the cat. The cat met you and I on the same day. But over time it seems like the cat's developed more of a bond with you than mm-hmm. it you know, more more than it has with me. And that got me thinking a lot about fathers who don't have a relationship with their kids. And a lot of times it's unintentional, right? Yeah. Because um, dad had to go provide. He wasn't home as much. So consequently, the kids then uh, correlate dad not being home to dad didn't love us or was never there. So whatever the narrative is, they don't form a, a bond with a bond with dad and through no fault of his own, unintended consequences of having to go be a provider. And it's not always dad, right? Like I'm sure some moms are in the same boat where, you know, dad is home more with the kids. So he gets to gets to love and nurture them. And mom has to go be the sole breadwinner. So she becomes a victim of unintended consequences or of good intentions where the kids now say because mom wasn't. Because when you're that young, you correlate time to love but unfortunately one spouse disproportionately dads can't spend as much time with the kids so i I would say you know i'd be a little bit of a devil's advocate here and say that it's a it's a little bit of a twofold problem sometimes it is time as far as the one or the other partner spends more time and with the child but a lot of it is the actual engagement in the time spent So, for example, I still work. Now, while I do have a little more flexibility, a few hours here and there where I can have that flexibility to be at home, it's not like I'm here all the time. But in the time I am here, I spend more time playing, giving treats, and engaging. I do too. I I do too. More. I now we now we tomato tomato. (laughs) Now we, but. Okay. <laughs> my, the, but that's my point. It's just like we're talking nuances here, right? Mm-hmm. And and so that's some of the nuances. So sometimes there's one or more parent who's a little more nurturing. Even if they had the exact same amount, one might be naturally more emotionally available. Than the other. Yeah. Okay. But all that to say, it, it's, it led to one conversation. Yeah. Which, so I don't have an a relationship. Epiphany. Yes, it had an epiphany. Uh, a perception is a bitch moment <laughs> where I don't have a relationship with my father. And neither of us ne- do. Neither do you. You nope. don't have a relationship with your dad also too. Nada. And I got to thinking, perception being a bitch, does my dad think, okay, so whatever reason I have for not wanting a relationship with my dad, if you were to ask him, would, would he, he know the would reason? he know the reason? Would his reason for why him and his son don't have a relationship would it be exactly what my reason is? Does he so, have the same perspective on yes. your relationship so and why if, it ended if up you the give way me a is. piece of paper and say write down why you and your dad don't have a relationship, if I wrote that down and you hand my dad a piece of paper and told him to write why him and his son Dave you don't have a relationship, would there be similarities in those two things? Or is it in that moment that we will find out that perception has been a fucking bitch for the last 20 years? And I pose the same question to you because Mm -hmm. you don't have a relationship with your dad either. And I said, Sarah, you know, you and I have had a decade long of conversations where I internalize and I know why you don't have a relationship. We know the traumas. Yes. 
But does your dad see it the same way if yeah. we were to pose the exact same question to him? Because a lot of times in these perception is a bitch type moments. Um, it's only if you're lucky when this person dies that you finally get to, you, you, you know, those epiphany moments where you realize, oh, my fucking God, it's been 20, 40 years mm-hmm. and we were we weren't even aligned on why we didn't even have a relationship. You, you know why this is, right? Why is that? Thinking about like think about a bully in grade school, a bully who tormented you, made your life miserable, stole your lunch money, beat you up on the playground. It's horrible, right? This bully makes your life fucking miserable, right? Mm-hmm. So you see this as your nemesis, like the person you have this horrible relationship with and you hate them and you think they hate you. And let's fast forward 10 years and you run into them and you're like, you are a horrible person. You made my life miserable. Nine times out of 10, that bully is not going to even remember you because you are irrelevant almost to them. They're feeling like they were just getting through life and their actions were justified from whatever trauma they were going through, right? That they projected onto you. They are almost completely unaware of your suffering. And that's the bully mindset. So unfortunately, parents a lot of times fall into that trap where they're just going through the motions, lashing out when they get angry or upset or frustrated. And they don't really understand or know the suffering that they may have inflicted on you in those moments of just trying to get through the shit. You know, we joke that every parent ends up fucking their kids up, but they don't really ever know how and when. Because Always, yeah. Sometimes they do, but a lot of times they're oblivious. Yeah, because I to think the... most parents have good intentions, and mm-hmm. that moment on how your kid interprets a certain situation or internalizes that. Right. Trauma. So, so like in my case, mm-hmm. my dad was for most part of my childhood. I was indifferent to my dad. I really didn't lean one way well, or the other. He traveled a lot, so he wasn't there for most of your life. Right, right. That's what a I mean. Like I, I was, I was really indifferent to dad. Um, but there was one specific moment that is edged in my memory for all of eternity, and it's what I have held against my dad for the last twenty years. This happened when I was fifteen years old, mm-hmm. and. You know, I wonder if he knows this is why I stay away from him vehemently and why I just do not want a relationship with my dad because I soured everything. I just cannot get past this moment. So when I was 15 years old, I broke his computer. You know, Mm -hmm. he had an IBM computer. And fuck, if if I saw that computer right now, I could probably still recognize that computer. That's how traumatized you know, all I the am. all dents and scratches in it. I, I can, I, yes. Pick it up in a lineup yes. of IBM computers. Who can, who can recognize a computer they had from 20 years ago, <laughs> right? So, you know, he was gone. I was home. It was about three in the afternoon. I was playing around. I was a 15-year-old kid. And I, so to kind of lay some context here. I'd never really seen a computer in my life. I had seen some desktops, but never a laptop. So when my dad had this laptop at home, curiosity just got the best of me. And I hopped that on the shit, computer. You know you're not supposed to touch. You know, right, right. And when he left home that day, he ba- he told me, don't touch my computer. And guess what I did? Two hours after he left, <laughs> I touched the fucking computer. I broke it. I don't know what I did, but I, I broke the fucking computer. This is around 5 p.m. My dad got home around 1 in the morning. From 5 to 1, 
my my heart was in my stomach because I I knew what was coming. I was anticipating the fucking beat down that was going to happen when dad got home. And true to every worst case scenario I had projected in my it mind. Let you down. Oh, it did not let it did not disappoint. <laughs> At all. I I had the beating. I'm not talking ass whooping. I know what an ass whooping is. My mom probably gave me more ass whoopings than my dad ever did. This was a beat down. And I I just I I can't get past I can't get back. I can't get you, past you that. You left home that night too. Yeah, that that became. I, we moved. My brother and I moved in with my grandparents that night. It just for for. But here's the question: That moment is when my dad and I our relationship ended. I don't know that if I asked him that question today that he would have the exact same answer as, can you point back to the moment in time where you lost your relationship with your son? And what I told you was perception being a bitch, right? Mm -hmm. I am, you know, after writing this philosophy, I'm trying to be objective and see it from his perspective, which, you know, having a computer to an African male in the mid 90s, was probably the equivalent to having a half a million dollar home or Maserati parked outside. Mm -hmm. And you tell your kids not to, you made it. You tell your kids not to touch the shit. You come home and this half a million dollar home, $10 million home is burned to the ground. I can rationalize because from my dad's perspective, he was probably just disciplining me to the... He's probably not even thinking about disciplining you. He's probably also so traumatized and scared of what he just lost. And he's lashing out in anger. Right. But that that is the moment that ruined our relationship. That is 20 years later. And I just can't get past. I mean, I, I get it. I, I have similar moments in my past with my dad. Facts. I um, know that. I have a few of them actually, but the first, the first big one where it truly, like I had small moments where I was like, oh, okay, shit, this, this man can turn into a different person if you test him the wrong way. And not like my mom did where she disciplined us and she was mad. You knew she was mad. Like his was a Jacqueline Hyde. Like he was the best man in the world. And then he was the worst man in the world. But one time I was just playing with some friends and we were, we were, kind of balancing on the little ledge on the outside of a staircase Um, and we were pretending that we were gymnasts and it was a deep stairwell so we were holding on to the banister walking on the outside of it so it was dangerous if we had slipped and fallen we could have fell very far and hurt ourselves but we weren't being intentionally dangerous we weren't looking at it that way um but anyways he got scared and he sent my friend home And then he beat the shit out of me um, with a belt and he beat me so hard. I had black and red and purple bruises from the top of my back and my neck all the way down to my calves. Um, I couldn't sit down for probably like two weeks, something like that. And I was about nine, I think, eight or nine, somewhere in there. And it it changed the way I I saw him. I regarded him and, and... it was always that thing that you knew in the back of your mind that he could snap like that. And he did other times as well. But 
So like both yeah. our both our parents, both our fathers have been trying for decade to reach out and it's it's not for a lack of effort Mm -mm. it's you it's it's a conscious choice that you and i have made to ostracize them from our lives so unlike you though i've had conversations with my dad about forgiveness and stuff so that's that's one of the differences you've you've never really addressed with your dad I've, i've had a few adult conversations where it's like hey this is the shit that went down, and this is why I feel this way, but... Your, your dad doesn't share the same interpretations, though. Yeah, so that's the difference, and that's the reason why I can no longer have a relationship with my dad, is he could never get to the point where he would actually truly acknowledge and internalize what he did wrong. Um, his was always an excuse, like, I'm sorry, but... This is why I did this, and this is why you shouldn't hold it against me. So while I no longer harbor anger towards him, and I understand he's not an, an inherently intentionally evil person, he's done bad shit, and I don't have the energy to care to want to risk a relationship with him with the potential consequences of if the shit goes south again, or if we have kids and he wants us to, like, spend Christmas with him and then he goes off again. Like it's just, it's kind of like, so in our last episode, remember how we talked about that suicide or coffee when you got to say, fuck it. Yeah. The fuck it moment. Do you, do you try to make shit work or do you just let it burn? So there's that like risk versus reward. Like is, is what you're getting out of life worth the living it and the pain it takes to live life. And in a similar way with my relationship with my father, it's not worth to me. The pros of having a relationship with him is not worth the possible consequences. That could come from that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, as, as I'm thinking through, you know, people who may be listening to our conversation, one thing we've always realized is when these perception is a bitch moments kind of come, most people almost you're, you're kind of dead on arrival because you never have the language or the ideas mentally to know how to address these conversations when they when they arise so one thing like speaking on that like one thing that i think that's frustrating with my dad and in the conversations we've had like i said he doesn't fully get what i've been saying and and, and what my issues are so like you said with your dad, it's it's kind of an ignorance issue where you don't think he'll even recognize where things went wrong. My dad, I think, knows where things went wrong, but he doesn't want to take ownership. And he has, so his narrative, his perception of the interactions would be a slightly different, kind of a blame game thing. Like it would be, well, your mom spun a narrative or you were just a kid and didn't understand or it wasn't really that bad. Um, so it, you, your dad had a temper from what you've told me. Yeah. Okay. And you and your siblings inherited some of that temper. Oh, absolutely. Um, so we, we learned how to fight from him. I think you learn how to interact with people and how to have relationships from your, your parents and the family around you. So I know growing up, me and my siblings would have these horrible anger problems where we lash out at each other. I mean, I remember... Um, I have some terrible moments of shame when I remember my little sister and I and the fights that we would have. And I, I look back and I feel like I, I could have really hurt her. I could have killed her. 
in certain moments when we had fought, if, if there had been a push that had gone wrong, uh, and that that scares me. That scares me that I had that anger inside of me, and it took me a long time to to learn how to channel that or not to let that lash out in that way. And and I also learned that I could be very manipulative, and I had to learn to take that out because that's another thing that I learned from my father. Like it's and it's not okay just because you know how to manipulate someone or you know how to cut them and say the thing that will hurt them the worst, or you know like how to hit them the right way where the bruises don't show, none of that makes it right just because you know you can get away with it. And that's people who are bullies or people who are in that position take advantage of that. You know, it, it's very hard to, you can't trust memory, right? Like it's, it's hard to trust your own mind. Mm-hmm. And... So the part of me that struggles with my recollection, my sorry, my recollection, my recollection. Are we a little of, too tipsy? Know, Are we know, a right? recollect? The, 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 the alcohol. <laughs> Blame I, it on the alcohol. I, 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 know, I know back then I was a young kid, so I can't trust my recollection. But the emotions of what I experienced and how I felt were very real. And this is one of the moments where I lose all hope and faith in the God formula because a lot of human adversity is on these scenarios. A lot of you know um, dead relationships or unsalvageable relationships. Salvageable. Yeah. Are are because are because your memory is recollecting situations and interactions with people a certain way Mm -hmm. but i don't know if objectively that's what happened now it would be super easy if there were a god and he could just come down and be like kind of like how in sports they have tape and they let you watch tape play by play like it'd be a lot easier if god can just come down be like ah ah, okay let me show you the tape of what really happened and oh yeah yeah that, that motherfucker has some really bad intentions you know on you but I, this this is the one moment that defined for me how I perceive my dad and when I sum up my entire childhood. And I don't know if a lot of what is traumatizing for me was the anticipation leading into the beating or the actual beating itself. I don't know if it's because I had built it up so much in my mind to be something or was it the actual something, the beating, that causes the resentment? So I, I would disagree a little bit with the you can't trust memory. Because I do I do concur that, especially as a child, our memories is slanted. And that's why I always think uh, with any truth that you hold to be true, you should kind of keep that seed of... Doubt. Yeah, of like plausible, okay, plausible deniability. Okay, that I might not have the whole story... So don't shut yourself off, which is why I continue to have conversations with my father. I wasn't like some of my siblings won't talk to him or of him or anything. But I've had several conversations with him because I understood that I was a child. And while I had reasons to not trust him and reasons to be fearful of him and not have a a, a blossoming relationship or whatever the fuck you want to call it. So what are some of those reasons? Uh, how long do we have? Hey, we're, we're, the, the, the drink pour, is almost gone. No, no. As, as the Vikings would say, we're, we're not without drink yet. 
<laughs> keep keep keep, ch- keep chugging. <laughs> we keep talking for as long as we have drink. I can make that go pretty fast. I don't know about you. Well, don't do that because now you're like me and you're slurring all your fucking words. Um. So there's multiple layers of of my issues with my dad. First of all, the anger issues and the violence that he visited upon us. Um, my mom spanked us. Like you said, your mom gave you some some whoopings and then your dad gave you a beat down. And I think you inherently know the difference when there's intent to discipline versus when someone is just unleashing their shit on you. But, you know, I, I also said, like, mom put some ass whoopings on me that will rival the one ass whooping I got from my dad. But is it one of those things where, you know, because mom was a sole breadwinner and I didn't want to bite the hand that feeds me. <laughs> so I was quick to forgive mom in that regard. I don't, know. I, I don't know. I don't know. So mine was not that situation. So I don't even have that in the back of my mind. My mom was a stay at home mom and my dad was a breadwinner. So I definitely didn't. OK, so what were the some of the things he did that just that you can't shake out of your mind as you remember it? Well, I mean, it's a lot. So I'm trying to like go back to the beginning. Um, I, I, I started seeing his temper come out more and more. I mean, even as a, I think I was like seven, I started really recognizing the moments when he would leave it, lose his temper and leave bruises on us. He was this preacher, church man. And in front of everybody, he was just this great, happy, bubbly guy. And I remember being on this trip with him and I wasn't supposed to be on the trip, but it was my birthday and he'd forgotten my birthday and he took me with him. And then I was excited about something and I guess I was pissing him off and he reached back and he squeezed my arm so hard behind me up on my shirt where no one would see and where I couldn't like and he kind of like muffled me so I couldn't cry out. And he squeezed my arm so hard I had a, I had his handprint on my bicep. And maybe it's just because you're white, you know, the, the melon. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it bruised like I had a full man's giant man's handprint. I was I think I was like seven mm-hmm. and like Little things like that. And then the beating, like I said, when he, he turned me black and blue all down my back, um, other things like that, he would just, he would lose his shit sometimes and then he could come back and he would twist it. He was so good at manipulating you. He would get you to come back and almost apologize and blame yourself. He was like a Tyrion Lannister. For, yeah. He, he, he would get you to feel like, oh shit, I brought that up on myself. How dare I? get you to sully your hands with my blood you (laughs) know (laughs) so he was that he was good he was good um and then i grew up he got there was was some moments where um and this is where you say like where you look back at your memory and you wonder am i am i remembering this as it actually happened or is this a, a child's instinct so after my mom and him separated but they were still living in the same house and as kids we didn't fully know what was going on but we knew shit was going down if that makes sense because dad was living in the he was in the guest room room. yeah across the hall and him and mom had been like walking around the house not talking to each other for weeks um and sorry i'm saying um a lot it's just hard to like think through all this and like give the play-by-play of it but i went into his room to say I love you and and chat with him. And I still remember the shirt I was wearing. It was this silky pajama top. 
I was 14. I was an early developer, so I already had boobs. And I was laying on his bed. And there's a shift the man gets when he starts seeing you sexually. And there's a predator kind of look in a man's eye when he starts seeing you as a person and stops start seeing you as a sexual object. And I saw that shift and I was so young I didn't know the like the name for it or what it was, but I recognized something just made the uh you got the uh Spider-Man, the Spidey that senses. Tingle, yeah. And he he started rubbing up and down the side of my my top and where my breasts were and telling me how much he loved me and he would do anything for me and like we could keep a secret and I could tell him anything and like just it just got really weird and I remember wanting to leave the room so bad and I was scared that I I was afraid I couldn't leave the room like I kept I started thinking like how do I get out of this room which why would you think that like why why would I have to think of an excuse to leave the room my father's in and we were home alone and all of a sudden I hear a door shut downstairs so I know my mom's home and I start hearing her unload groceries. And as soon as that happened, it was like he, he let go of me and I got to get up and run out of the room. And I never talked about it with anyone or told anyone about it, but it just it made me shaky because nothing happened. Te- technically, nothing happened, but I felt scared of him. I felt like violated. And it, it's a weird way to, to say that you feel like something was going to come down, but it didn't. So like you sound like a crazy person. So this is why I go back to the whole God analogy where I'm like, there, there again, you're, we're kids, right? So how much of this is shit that really happened? How much and is in my head? How, right. Know. So because you can't trust memory, but, but the, this, this is where it'd be nice to have some God that comes down and say, you know, I got a play by play and I can walk you through all the nuances mm-hmm. You know, it so easily solved this problem, right? But we look up to we look up to the heavens asking for answers, and there is none. Yeah, we call that nihilism. So this is when, though, uh, finally, when I was a little older, like sixteen, and my mom started telling me about the shit that my dad had done to her, um, about how he'd raped her and about how he'd beaten her and threatened to kill her. I was like, you know what? I see that. I see it. Like. You ain't even lie. Like he could do that. Cause there's some things that if people told you, if people told you your sister, Tariah, yeah, killed somebody, impossible. You wouldn't believe him. The girl ain't ever done You're shit. Like, you mean on clean, accident? No, she did it on purpose. Clean record. She weighed like a buck fifteen pounds. <laughs> wet. Or less than that. Soaking wet. The girl's the sweetest, most gentle, kindest person you could have ever met. Like you wouldn't believe it. But there's there's some things, like if 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 she had cut my finger when we were younger, and, and if my finger is in her stomach, I'd be like, ah, uh, I see. Maybe she's a cannibal. Maybe she. I believe she could be a serial killer. I see how this this could have happened. Like there's there's there was context, there was history behind when I found out more about what my dad did. To my mom was like, this tracks, it tracks. And then even through the divorce and the separation, the way he he manipulated the CDC to get our records and my therapist's phone numbers, uh, he 
he turned our entire congregation because we were you know preacher's family. So he turned everyone against us. We lost all of our support team. I think he was on the legal counsel. You know, was, <laughs> these are all strategies to win <laughs> to win your kids, I mean, win the custody battle. He didn't win the kids. Oh, but, maybe uh, he was the smart one. I'm just kidding. But just all of that, all of that leads into someone that you like. Okay, I can't trust this person. Like they're not they're not acting in a trustworthy manner. So that combined with my own experiences of him, it just, again, confirms, it, it confirms the, narrative. the narrative that I don't want to have a relationship with this poison person. He's toxic. So no matter what, what his version of it is. It wouldn't matter. So are you saying that if we, if we were to ask your dad, to, if you wrote down all these reasons why you don't have a relationship with your father and we asked him the same question, why do you not have a relationship with your daughter? And he wrote it down. Do you think there'll be correlations there? Or do you think it'd be vehemently different? Fuck no. Fuck no. His version would be that my mom turned me against him with lies. And that after I heard her story, I didn't want to have anything to do with them. He, I think, assumes that a lot of it comes from influence, quote unquote, by my mom. I'm like, no, I, I knew this shit before my mom ever came out to me like and, and said what so she went So from his through. perspective, it's influence. From your mm-hmm. perspective, it's, it's life experience. lived. It's yeah. experience. Um, and I've actually had, mo- and this was the thing, I was actually willing to forgive him and to build a relationship even when they were going through the divorce. I was the only girl because all the boys kind of stayed with him because he hadn't done as much shit to them. All of us girls were weary of him. We'd all had I was gonna separate say, I don't know why I was going to say I hope. That he didn't do anything <laughs> to the boys. I think that's the alcohol kicking it because it shouldn't matter if it's boy <laughs> or, or a girl. girl right? <laughs> but all of us girls had I need had to start really ex- thinking about yeah. what I'm going to say. <laughs> start sounding sexist. The knob creek is kicking it. <laughs> but all of us girls had had similar pervy experiences with him where he rubbed us wrong um, at different levels. And my sisters haven't even fully opened up about all that they've went through separately. So I don't know to the extent that their experiences were because it, it was too much to talk about for them. So, But I had conversations with him, and my, my big sticking point was that he would not admit and apologize to what he'd done. Every apology he gave was adjunct to, but I really didn't do anything wrong, but I'm sorry you're feeling that way. Like anyone who says, I'm sorry you feel that way, they're not fucking sorry for shit. Like that's stuff that I would say. It's I'm sorry you feel that way, aka I don't agree with you, and yeah. I see how you see it. It's not mm-hmm. how I see it. It's not how that, I remember it. That's that's the cop out. That's like killing someone's son and then saying I'm sorry you feel that way. No, we like, were we were fucking separated, babe, and a lot of shit happened that wasn't how I saw it. It definitely wasn't how you saw it, but the mm-hmm. end result was still a six month separation. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like... And I said a lot, and you said to me, too, I guess I'm sorry you see it that way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just playing devil's advocate. Now, I'm just saying there's a difference between having a disagreement and, and and having something where someone does something to you. Like, it's not a... It's not a question. Like, when something is tangibly happened, like, again, someone runs over your foot, okay? breaks your foot and then oh i'm sorry you see it that way that i ran over your foot and it's broken <laughs> it's not that i see it that way that's what fucking happened and you did it like i'm 
Just own up to it. Say, I wasn't paying attention. I ran over your foot. I'm so sorry. The end. There is no I'm sorry. You see it that way when it's facts. I get you. I get you. I think the alcohol. No, no, no. I'm saying there are nuances, like you said. Like, I can't get mad at my dad in a way for, like, me perceiving he was pervy with me in the bedroom. A violent or whatever. I I can. No, I can perceive the violence because I have the bruises to back that shit up. Okay, okay. But the perviness, that's my that because he didn't he didn't technically cross the line with me now he did with my mom and i think he did with my sisters but he didn't with me he 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 tiptoed that border like where he was playing a little along the titties and stuff but like oh that could have been an accident it it could have been his hand grazing that's perception like i don't i can't hold him for sure accountable for that because that could be perception that could be my mind, whatever. But the bruises, that that didn't happen. Like, I didn't trip and fall down the stairs, motherfucker. <laughs> like, you, you put that on me. Maybe he had been working out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're too much. You're too much. <laughs> the strength. I don't want to get killed by me, too, you know? But No, I'm saying even with your dad, like, there's, there, you don't imagine the beating. You didn't imagine him kicking you out. But yeah, but contextually, the, okay, so there's so now probably you're making it, excuses for being. I'm, I'm an not. Africa. I'm not making excuses. I'm not making excuses. I'm. I'm just. I'm just trying to be objective, right? Okay. If it take a sip, take a drink, take a drink, because look, again, like I said, when I broke my dad's computer, from his, and I, again, I, this is the part where I'm making shit up, but I can see how from his perspective, and it took me 20 years to get to this point because mm-hmm. I didn't have this objectivity not growing up, not in the last 20 years. I say in the last maybe three years, I, I, I've developed it where I'm like, okay, let me try to make sense of the trauma and the resentment that I have for my father specific to this one moment where he beat me black and blue for what I think was excessive use of force or abusive mm-hmm. parenting. But I can also see it's it. Remember, we were watching that one show where the kid had accidentally uh, burned down or destroyed their their home um, with the drone. That he was trying yes, to, yeah. he had used the drone. So long story short, the kid used the drone before the father left. He said, hey, that's my drone. I use it for work. Don't touch my drone. The you kid, empathize with that show so much just because kid, it was like almost because exactly I could relate parallel. to it. Yes, to to what happened to me. The kid grabs the drone, go flies it with friends he's because it's curious. Five minute ride. Yes, and then he ends up breaking the drone, and now he's anticipating the entire day how his dad's gonna kill him. So the entire premise of the movie, the plot, is how he's gunning and going through hell and high water to get back his dad's uh, uh, drone, like trying to earn... To replace it. To replace it, to earn enough money to fix it. And doing all that, he burns the house down. His dad comes home, and this is America, so they have to edit, right? You can't show on American TV an American beating (laughs) his kid black and blue. But the dad looks at the kid. It's 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 not not politically correct. It's not normal. It's It's not (laughs) okay. Well, there's probably somebody else listening to the podcast right now going, "It was normal to get beat down in my house." I'm saying it it was it was normal. It should not be normal. Okay. Anyway, it was normal to own slaves. That doesn't make it right. (laughs) We just went there. Okay. Just saying. So anyway, the dad gets home, sees his house is burned down. He didn't. He looked at his son and he says, "Son, I don't like you right now." 
and and it's hard for me to even convey how the emotional outburst he's having looking at it's like imagine you get home and your kids burn down the house it's like i don't like you right now i don't know that i even love you right now i don't know that we will ever even get to that point and for me that was the equivalent of the beatdown that i got because contextually to the african culture you may not believe in whoopings and all that but when you live in the African culture, this is a culture where you can have your arm chopped off because you stole something. You stole a pencil or you stole a banana you because you were hungry. Hypothetically being a witch. Yes. You have premarital sex. And now by Sharia law, they bury you in the ground and stone you. So I can see how contextual to that culture and that society. Some African probably listening to this podcast now like, oh, you got off easy because all you got was a beating. My brother, my brother got killed by the family because he, you know, broke the computer. And that that was, you know, not excessive in by that cultural context that the punishment fit the crime. So I'm looking back at it from my dad's point of view and how legitimately and truly he may not his recollection of that moment may not be. My recollection. So this is where where you get into perception and perception being a bitch and why their recollection and why I'm sure my dad's recollection of those moments is not the same of mine. But here's where I'll say. I can have empathy with why a school shooter goes up and shoots up a school. I was bullied. I was ostracized, right? I can understand and empathize with the person who is so on the outskirts, so angry by everyone beating on him and telling him he's worthless that you feel like just grabbing a gun and going to shoot up the school, right? I can empathize with the hurt, scared little boy or girl, it's always the boy, but the scared little boy who does some shit like that, right? I, I can feel for that person, but just because I can empathize and understand the trauma that got them to that place does not mean in any way that it was right or that I can condone it. I 100% agree. And again, so, it goes like, back to the question I keep posing and why we got into this whole thing in the first place, that I think there are parents or somebody's listening to our conversation out there. And the question I'm posing to you is if you don't have a relationship with a parent, if you were to write down on paper why that relationship is dead and not there, would it be the exact same as if we were to give them a piece of paper and ask them to write down why the relationship with their son or daughter isn't there? Will it correlate? Because no, I just I don't know that the answer to that would be yes, because both of us don't see those experiences the exact same way. And I keep going back to the God thing and I don't I don't mean to. I'm not saying that more like a hypothetical of the, if there was a referee in the sky. Right. Could because they give us be, the answers? because these are these are one of those moments or life problems for me that make me question the God formula, because a lot of the suffering, We're out of whiskey. Yeah, she just took the last sip. But <laughs> a lot of what we call human suffering and suffering in the context of these very, very tricky emotional dynamics, relationship dynamics could be solved if God were to just come down and like they do in sports, just show us a play by play. I'm, I'm actually I'm going to ask him right now. God, 
Oh, no. Don't, don't piss off the Christians. It's not about pissing anybody off. It's trying to, it's trying, it's me looking for help. It's, it's me trying to understand. And you can't just tell me, oh, you know, he works in mysterious fucking ways and, you know, you don't write quite understand. It's like, so here, here's what I said earlier on the walk, though, which was that essentially, I think for parents, what happens a lot of times is instead of seeking context, like we we talk about perception on this show and we're not just on here to hash out our daddy drama, right? Like just to talk shit about our family and uh, unhash all of this therapy session trauma. On Even it, though that's guys. part of it. <laughs> yeah. But we're really here to show that a lot of this is perception. And while... Like, for example, when my dad beat the shit out of me for walking on that rail, his excuse was he was scared that I was going to get hurt and he wanted me to know never to do that again. So the the beating from his perspective. He hurt me to keep me from getting hurt. Like, my my point is he could have seeked to understand the context of why I was doing that and just had a conversation with me a serious conversation and I wouldn't have done it again. It wasn't like I was a bad or disobedient kid. So a lot of times as parents where I think they miss the mark is when they allow for one, their own emotional trauma to enter discipline. I'm not against spankings. I'm not one of those like liberal, never touch your kid. I think spankings can be appropriate. My mother spanked us appropriately many a times, but When you use, sometimes when you're emotional and you're upset and you're angry, you can have something that should rationally be disciplined and you allow that discipline to become the catalyst for you to release your anger. Or like with your dad, like in that moment, probably just lashing out on instinct because you're so frustrated and, and hopeless and angry. And it's human and it doesn't make them evil people. Again, I'm not... I'm not judging them as human beings. So but it's it's as parents you're held to a higher standard, right? Like you you're responsible for this person's life and as such you have a moral obligation to look beyond your emotions and to find the context and the perception that will actually help that person grow and not scar them and create more trauma. Okay. So I I think of your mom right now as we're having this conversation and she's also estranged from all you guys right like so my mom was a great mom and also never never crossed the line from disciplining into beating she was very because her mom beat her her dad beat her so she understood the difference and she always made sure that whenever she spanked us it was a spanking like you knew why you were getting the spanking, you knew how many swats it was going to be, it was controlled, and then you went on with your life. So she, you, you had the um, emotional trauma of like the delay and waiting for the spanking and knowing she was upset with you, and it did hurt to a degree, but it wasn't traumatic. So like your but, mom, sorry. go ahead. So my mom, the the reason she has lost her relationship with a lot of us kids is a different lack of perception. She hands down judgment on every person's life as if it is her God given right. Like because she birthed us. 
so, she so, owns our life. Okay. So again, for context, your mom is a very devout Christian woman. Very conservative. Right. So she's coming from a place of absolutism. And by her doctrine, it is better to cut off the arm if it's going to stop you from getting into heaven. You don't want to be yoked with non-believers, even if they're family, because again, right? Uh, so she's coming from a place of absolutism. So now you have a sister who is, you know, bisexual, transgender, lives in poor uh, Oregon, you know, liberal capital of, of America. And them two cannot, your mom chooses, seemingly actively chooses to not have a relationship. Not seemingly. She told her she can't come home until she, I guess, finds God or changes her ways. Okay. So this is the point I was making, where if we asked Katie why her and mom don't have a relationship it'd be one thing mm -hmm. but if we ask mom why her and katie don't have a relationship it'd probably be something completely different yeah so because, from be her because perspective from my sister's perspective it would be lack of understanding and acceptance and from my mother's perspective it would be i have an obligation to god and I can't condone yes, because her moral behavior. Right. Because your mom's coming from a place of absolutism, mm -hmm. right? And fucking salvation is on the line, right? Because, like, by being yoked with your sister, the unbeliever, now she, quote-unquote, is risking her fucking salvation. So right? the idea, if I, if I accept you and I love you, then I'm saying that the sin is, quote-unquote, Then I'm okay. condoning the sin. And... You know, so from your mom's perspective, she's coming from a place of love, from a place of I am following God's commandments and I am, you know, as conservative to the Bible as I possibly can. Because at the end of the day, my relationship and walk with God is more important than even my relationship with my own daughter. And that is your mom's perspective. And this I, is the reason why, this is my big reason why I cannot get behind religion in general. It's not that I don't understand the desire for a God out there who you somehow believe has control over everything and can kind of like protect you or whatever. I get the desire for that belief. I'm just saying, cleaning these perception is a bitch moments should yeah. be... For, for, so this is, again, when people say there's so much, you know, design in the world and, you know, everything's beautifully and wonderfully and perfectly made, I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. If you understand human perception, you will realize that God still got a lot of fucking work to do. So and that, that's my fucking point is like I could get behind the idea of a God and, and the, the wish that there was someone out there looking out for you. But any God or religion that believes that you should kill or not love or excommunicate or judge other people for having a different belief system than you or living a different life with than salvation you. as the dangling carrot yeah for one the reward punishment system is just very archaic and it's like if i'm doing all of this just because I believe it's going to get me into heaven, doesn't that negate any moral goodness that was actually implied? But somebody will tell that? you that that's why Jesus died, though, and why we have the New Testament. But that's the, how about that's, that? That's the shit. I read my like, Bible. That's the shit. If you're saying that I have to be good, right, to get into heaven, and then my only incentive to be good is that I do get into heaven. That's like you saying. It's like people going to cheat on oh, the test. That's like, saying, that's like saying, 
oh, donate all the presents you got for Christmas and I'll give you a million dollars. Well, if I know I'm going to get a million dollars, I can buy all the bullshit that you bought me for Christmas, the hundred bucks you spent on Christmas presents. I can buy that back. Plus, I'll still have like 99.99 million left to spend. Like, why? Like, you're not actually giving up anything. When, when doing good is based on an inherent reward, is it really good? No, because now you have an incentive. So I, I get you. I get you. I get you. You're it's, right. Not- it's like those rap art artists who like do the music videos and give away all the money, but then they're doing it as a music video so that they can make more money. They're not really giving you money. They're it's, just spending the money that they had budgeted for their show on you so it makes them look good. It's fake altruism. Yeah. It. I think I just coined that one. Fake altruism. <laughs> That should be a hashtag. But my that that's my, I guess, issue with this is that it's the judgment piece of it. The fact that people will kill and hate and divide themselves in the name of something that, if true, if real, should do nothing more than bring people together. But it doesn't. Okay. Sorry, so, that was a tangent on its own. No, Probably no, no. It, it's, no, it was a relevant conversation because so that there's two parts to this consistently parents fuck up these conversations right so what we talked about was like in the example with my dad and i and why we don't have a relationship if my dad did hey for for one sort out perspective sort out context you understand where you seek, fucked up. Seek, seek to understand because so so this is kind of the solution we're given right like if my dad had come home and said something to this effect Deji, from where I'm standing, the shit looks like you should get a beating. Like, do you see how from my perspective and in my eyes right now, you have a punishment coming? But I want to understand the backstory, the 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 nuances that I am not privy to and walk me through everything that led to this computer breaking in today. And if he had done that, I think possibly the outcome would maybe have been different. Maybe the dialogue would have been different. Similar to your mom also to maybe looking at your sister Katie and saying, hey, look, I don't necessarily what condone you to be gay. what you do. <laughs> what, what, what drew you to that conclusion? Yeah. But I, I want to seek to understand but it's hard to seek to understand when you're coming from a place of absolutism. You can't rational. You can't rationalize, or just or, even or, understanding the idea that you don't own someone's life. Like, like I can say, I love you, and I don't agree with the way you live your life. Like, I don't agree with the way my mom lives her life. Con- like, condemned to religion. And forced to marry a man she barely knows because she wants to have sex. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't make goddamn sense. Like, you, you're you marrying some, someone that you might end up divorcing six months from now because you don't want to have premarital sex. When you're not a virgin, you're a fucking 50-year-old woman. Like, this makes no sense. But it's her fucking life. I will be happy for her. And if that's what she wants to do, that's what she wants to do. Again, right? we're, we're talking to the power of these doctrines, ideologies, and ideas, and how they dictate human action. But like, you should have, a, it's like that fucking grown-up idea of like, let's agree to disagree. We don't have to be on the same page to read together. 
Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. we can both be in the library reading different books. We don't have to read the same book and be on the same page to enjoy each other's company. Let's just be in the fucking library together. I, I agree. You're right. You're right. So something I want to add on to here is that there's this, there's this notion, right, that kids are like the great purpose of everyone's life. Correct? Right. Yeah. Like, how many times, we don't have kids, but how many times have we t- heard people tell us, like, oh, you got to have kids, it's the best thing, it's why your you're here. Yeah, it's, it's your why. Yeah, it's the reason we're here on earth is to have kids. I've always struggled with that. Right? But if that is the fucking reason, why do so many kids grow up to hate their parents and not have a relationship with their parents? If this relationship is the most important thing and the reason... We should get out of bed in the morning. Like, why would I have a kid and dedicate the next 20 years of my life to them, knowing that when they grow up, there's a huge likelihood... They outgrow the very things you've taught them. They grow out of the ideas and belief systems They can either grow out and away from the things that I've taught them and be a quote-unquote disappointment, or I could so traumatize them by shaping them into the person that I want them to be that even if they are that person, they resent me forever before it. Like, maybe it's just us and we're, like, damaged people, but I don't know very many people who have, like, great, great, like, truly, like, I know people who have relationships with their parents, but then behind their backs are like, oh, my parents are all horrible and I just, you know, have to put up with them because I love them. But there's there's always that, like, little bit of bitterness underneath. So, it, again, it goes back to what I pose as the question at the start of the podcast, which is... If if we asked you right now, so if you don't have a relationship with a parent, you know why. Or if you are a parent who has a kid you don't have a relationship with and you're not sure why. Right. But if we were to ask the exact same person why they, uh, somebody, the person they don't have the relationship with, why that relationship is not there, would the answers correlate? And if they don't, then that is the very definition of perception is a bitch <laughs> and we go decades just confirming the narrative and living life lived off something that was created from perception now like you said it's it's sometimes you just got to let relationships burn let relationships go and i'm not out here trying to salvage every broken relationship and it doesn't have to be with just parents this could be a moment of self-reflection for somebody else, if it was a relationship with a friend or a, a colleague or, you know, what, what whatever the case might be, um, somewhere you've lost a relationship with someone. And if you you know why that relationship ended. But if we were to ask that person why the relationship ended, would they tell you the exact same thing? I think the answer to that is no. I think a lot of times people don't even have the vocabulary or the knowledge on how to navigate these moments when they do come up or to prevent these moments from becoming perception as a bitch moments. That's absolutely true. I've lost some friends and I know looking back, I'm like, I don't even know where things went down. Or you may have an idea for where things went down. Yeah, I've lost other friends where I know where shit went down. I don't think they know where shit went down. Or they might have a different point for where Uh shit went down, right? And, and, And a lot of how you prevent the perception is a bitch moment here in whatever context of a relationship perception has been a bitch 
is just seeking context and basically asking for the other side to the perspective that you don't have access to, which is their point and of view. And actually being open to hearing it. Because a lot of people right. ask for context, but they're not, because they're coming, they're coming they're from coming a They're coming from a place of absolutism. Like, it's like your mom like asking. my dad, like oh, with a defensive mindset, like, oh, I want to hear why you're upset so I can apologize. But also I'm not going to really admit that I did anything wrong and listen to you. Or even your mom, they could be coming from a place of absolutism. I told you the story of where my, my you know, one of my bosses told me like I was having a, a squabble like I wouldn't call it a squabble but one of my peers and I just weren't getting along your peer was being a dick from my perspective <laughs> from any perspective okay. he's being a dick and my boss was like why don't you know you what go- I would say to that person what suck a dick, dick. <laughs> suck a dick and my boss was like hey why don't you go chat with that guy maybe y'all can iron out y'all y'all's issues and work some out suck a dick I'm trying to make, and I, and I said to him, I said, boss, if this were just a simple misunderstanding, you would be right in the sense of, I would go have a conversation, but I, I am not going to have a conversation with somebody who is coming from a place of absolutism, which means he is so grounded fundamentally into like hitting your head against a brick wall. Like it's only hurting you. It's he's not so doing grounded shit fundamentally them. into his point of view. It'd be the equivalent of running into an immovable object. He's just, he's grounded in his perspective because it's coming from a place of absolutism. It's a fundamental conviction. A fool's errand. Yes. Anything I say to this guy beyond is just entertainment. It's just for entertainment purposes. It's a check mark. Say I did it. I had a conversation. Right. So if that's what I'm being asked to do, yeah, I'll go do it. But if we're talking about dialogue to sh- have any Actually sort of resolve, shared yeah. perspective and, and where the other person's coming from, that's not, that's not, it's not going to happen. Nope. You know? I agree. I agree. Like there's just some things that are a fool's errand. You're not going to get anywhere with it. So, but I think as far as parents go, that's your job is to try to not be the immovable object to right to be, to be malleable. Cause I think there's, idea, don't be a noun. Yeah. There's this idea that a, a lot of parents have. And I think this is where fundamentally, um, even now I'm slurring my words fundamentally, where a lot of parents get fucked up is they have kids because they want to see their kids as an, as an extension of themselves, as someone who can live a better version of their life because they feel like maybe if they had a time to go back and do it over again, this is all the things that they would do differently, right? Even we talk about that. Like if we would have kids, we'd teach them all about finances so they'd have a head start and they'd get there faster, but what if we have a kid who's not that interested in finances? Who wants to live and let live, YOLO, blow yeah. all his money. I like guess we in, can't put our parameters on what a successful life so, looks so like I would on say, their life. Because we say, gave them life, but we don't own their life. You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're right. You're right. You're right. I would say, son, I don't see it as you see it. I I I mean I somewhat do get it, but it's not how I would live my life. You're not gonna get any financial support from me because I'm not going to you know, but you're always I'm, welcome. I'm, I'm, home, yeah, I'm not going to take the consequences you know? of your decisions and your habits away from you. So those are yours to suffer. Yeah. But you will always have a seat at my table. You will have a room. You'll always be loved. You'll always be loved, and you will have a room in my house, a three day maximum. 
<laughs> like for a weekend, not not to move it. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So when I say you have a roof, you know, have a bed in my house, I'm not saying move in because I'm not again trying to condone your <laughs> your couch surfing. If you want to pursue your dreams, you have to pursue your dreams on your own dime, also too. I had to figure it out, you know. But I I I I keep going back to missed relationships and as parents you're dead on arrival because you just don't know the moments where your child's perception of you is permanently altered right because i think think a lot of things too and sorry to interrupt you but i just wanted to get this out real quick i think one of the things that i think when you understand perception being a bitch and how much context plays into our lives. Context matters. It does. It fucking matters. So I think one of the things that we could do to save our ourselves so much grief and heartache is calling out the moments. And you do this really well at work now. When you have a moment that you're like, okay, context is starting to be a bitch right now. <laughs> and you call it out. But in our personal relationships, it can be a little more challenging because there's so many layers of nuance there. I think we phone it in a lot of yeah, times. Yeah, we like, we're like, oh, lazy. because it's like, it's my brother, it's my friend, so it'll work itself out. They and should then, just know my intentions. Yeah. And a lot of times it just never heals. The rift never heals. So I'm thinking about friends now. Like I said, the friends that I, I either know where shit went wrong from my perspective or maybe they stopped being my friend and I don't really know where the shit went wrong because they never said anything. They just kind of disappeared and so i know obviously i did something to piss them off but i don't know what so if i had had the balls or the emotional maturity and intelligence to understand to say to reach out to them in that moment say like look first call it out and then seek to understand i noticed you kind of stopped hanging out with me not really sure why i'd like to understand but i know perception's a bitch yeah that i know so I just want to make sure that how I perceive this is yeah. exactly how if you are perceiving it. If I did anything to offend you or to upset you, would you just let me know so I can at least apologize? And even if we're not friends again, I, I can understand and do better next time. Like seek to really understand and come from a place of empathy. I think if we do that with our friends, with our parents, with our kids... We will have better relationships and perception will have less of a chance of being to a be bitch. a bitch in our life. You're That's absolute, my two cents. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So we appreciate you guys tuning in to our conversation today. Um, these are conversations that Sarah and I have about just the nature of perception and how it has this almost butterfly-like effect over the outcomes of our lives. And today we're exploring specifically the relationships that we have with uh, contextually it's, you know, parents and their kids, but it could also apply to friends, other loved ones, family members, whatever the case may be, where if we were to ask you why that relationship doesn't exist and we gave you a piece of paper and said, write that down. Would that correlate to the reason why the other person thinks you don't have a relationship? Because if it doesn't, then you realize very quickly what we're trying to say. That perception is a fucking bitch, man. <laughs> so at the uh, in the link in the description below, we're going to share a survey, kind of a recap 
uh, link for you guys to click on, share your thoughts, ask us questions, maybe share moments uh, specific to this episode where you realize perception being a bitch in a relationship. Like, ah, I've never thought of like, yeah. thought of like that before. It's like, man, I've never thought about it like that. Or maybe this episode definitely helped bring you some closure or understanding into how you either want to for sure let some relationships burn to hell Mm -hmm. or if you want to exercise the best practices we've talked about on today's episode and maybe salvaging some relationships we love you guys we appreciate you i'm scratching my head going perception is a fucking bitch man i'm obviously still trying to figure it out with my own dad Sarah is trying to figure it out with her mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Man, we're out of whiskey. See you next time.